We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Let's move on to topic number three, Ryan, and that is I released my 2023 class rankings this week. It's uh, with everything kind of going on in the last month. It's been a, you know, including some 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 health issues that I had to deal with as well this past week. But we, you know, it took a while, a little longer than normal to get this out. There was also some kids we had some hard time finding film on, to be honest with you. And there's a couple kids we really don't have any senior film on. Uh, Brennan Vernon, for example, I don't have senior film on, so his grade is going to fall a little bit. Uh, I don't. Brubaker Troy was hurt for a chunk of the 2022 season. There's not a lot of film there, so you know those things kind of hinder those grades. So that, that keeps that in mind. And so uh, what we did was is, is I'm going to put the two links in the article now, but I rank them offense and defense. There's I have no problem, Ryan, with people who rank a class with everyone together. There's nothing wrong with that. So, so when I say this, it's not a criticism of those who may do it differently. I just don't think it really is as uh, productive for me in the way that I evaluate to have them on one list because I think it, it's like offensive guys are going to be asked to do something different than the defensive guys and vice versa. So we did two breakdowns. I just put them in, and it's the offense and defensive ranking. So I have the current grade. The current ranking is basically where they grade from where they are right now. It takes into account uh, a couple different size, body, strength type of categories. Each one has a couple athletic, two to three athleticism categories. They're different for each position. They're specific to each position. There's technique and intangibles categories that go into each grade. And so I add all of them up and then bam, I've got my grade. And then there's also an upside grade. In each article, I have the current grade. So the, the main ranking of the article is where they are now. When you look at the upside grade, that's at the bottom. That's more about if everybody taps into their potential, this is where I would rank the guys. And so uh, that is something, obviously, that that uh, that's in there as well. So what I'm going to do, Ryan, is just kind of go down and run through my grades, just kind of briefly talk about what I saw from each guy, why they went up, maybe why they went down, because some guys went down because other guys just had higher rankings, even though their grade went up. And then I'll give my upside grade at the end. So let's start with the offense, Ryan, and I'm going to give you a chance to kind of, you know, kind of give some of your thoughts on my list or to share where you have certain guys. If you want to go through your 12, you can list them as well. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate 
isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. And so my, I'll begin at number one, Ryan, is Charles Jagasaw. He's the only five-star player uh, in, my, in, my, in the class for me. I, I don't give out a lot of five-stars. Uh, he is a guy that uh, after his senior year, we, we always knew he had the size, we always knew he had the power, always knew he, he was he had athleticism. Now, could he turn it on in the football field? We'll find out. I thought he made huge strides as a senior technically, and he became just a dominant, dominant player. And he's part of a, a really quality, really quality offensive line class. Without question, one of the five best line classes in the country, in my opinion. He's number one. You just can't teach that combination of size, power, and athleticism. Uh, whether he's a left tackle, right tackle, guard, I don't care. He's going to be really good wherever he plays if he continues to develop. Uh, he was a pretty easy number one for me after watching senior film, Ryan. There wasn't anybody within uh, – it, it wasn't a challenge, really. It, he was clear number one. My number two in the class, Ryan, is Jeremiah Love. Uh, Jeremiah is a guy that that had skyrocketed as, as a senior. You know, look, the, the knock on him as a junior was I loved the size. I loved the athleticism. I loved the versatility. He could do a lot of different things. He could play corner. He could play receiver. He could play you know, not receiver as a full-time receiver, but he could line up out wide. He could catch the ball in the backfield. And of course, you know, he could do some things as a home run runner, but he wasn't a, he, he wasn't like an every down back. He was more of a slasher type, right? Well, as a senior, he looked much more like a natural running back. He looked much more like a guy that can be an every down back, not just a change of pace back with home run speed. He showed physicality as a senior. He showed better vision. He showed better feel for the position. He became a complete back, and he jumped into the top 50 category for me. He is my only other uh, player in this class on the offensive side of the ball 
that ranked as a that earned a top 50 overall grade for me. So Jeremiah had a huge, huge jump as a senior for me. My number three is my former number one, and that's Braylon James. Now, Braylon's grade went up for me, Ryan. It's just that Jeremiah and Charles skyrocketed for me. I thought Braylon this year showed uh, improvement. He was stronger. He he playing in an offense that allowed him to run a, a little bit more of an expansive route tree showed showed promise. He he was and, and they also used him a lot more to run deep. They threw him a lot more deep balls this year, which I loved. And so he took a jump this year, Ryan. He he didn't take as big of a jump because really honestly his technique didn't really see a ton of improvement. He still needs a lot of work as a technical player, but the tools are there. All three of those guys earned five-star upside grades. So, so Jaden actually, his grade went up for me. It's just that he is still a guy to me, Ryan, that, that, that the technical aspects of it still need work. All three of those guys earned five-star upside grades and top hundred rankings, as did my next guy on the list, Ryan, actually my next, uh, my next guy on the list. Yes. Number four for me is Jaden Greathouse. Now, Jaden's senior year did not go as planned from a production standpoint, but honestly, we didn't expect it to because he didn't have Cade Klubnick throwing the ball anymore. Yeah. They had a new quarterback that became more of a run-oriented team this year at Westlake, Austin Westlake, so his production wasn't there. He got hurt at the end of the year. He was a little banged up at times, but I actually think he became a better player because of that, because he he did have to work a little harder and make even tougher catches, you know, where Cade Klubnik was putting that ball like perfectly thrown and he had to like make these great back shoulder throws, but the defender didn't have a chance. I mean, there were throws that he had to catch, Ryan, like early in the year. He made this one great play early in the year where he just like literally jumped over two guys and had to like moss them for the ball. That stuff wasn't happening when Cade Klubnik was his quarterback because Cade was making better throws than that. So I actually think he became a better player this year even though the production didn't look like it. Now, why he isn't as high as the other guys for me, and, and I know you'll have something to say about this when you do your rankings, it's just the lack – he doesn't have the same explosiveness that the other guys do. His floor is higher than anybody in this offensive class. Anybody in this offensive class. And I think his ceiling is high. I think there's still room for him to be, be a better, impactful player. But the lack of just the home run athleticism that Jeremiah Love and Braylon James bring to the table – is is why he's slightly behind those guys right now. Uh, those grades certainly rank out rank higher than him, but his overall feel for the game, technique, and ball skills are just out. They're as good as anybody in the in the country, much less in the Rams class. My number five guy also ranks as a top hundred player, but not a five star upside guy, and that's Kenny Minchie. We've talked a lot about Kenny Minchie on the show. Everybody knows I love him. Great, great, great feel for the game. Really smart, compact, quick release. Uh, great anticipation. He's got all the skills you want a quarterback. Doesn't have a huge arm, and he's not the tallest guy. Those are the knocks on him. But as far as that, keep him from being an even higher ranked player. But he's a top hundred player for me, Ryan. Uh, no question about it. Four and a half star player. Number six for me is one that's going to be a little bit, uh, probably one that people might disagree on a little bit, and that is uh, Caleb Smith, the kid who they signed late that they flipped from Texas Tech. Like, I love this kid. He earned a top 150 overall great caliber grade for me. That's how I do rankings. It's top 25, top 50, top 100, top 150, top 200, top 250, and then top 400 basically is kind of how I go, 300 to 400 is how I go. He was a top 150 guy for me. Love the ball skills. Love what he does after the catch. Love his ball. He's a very good route runner. He's got really impressive ball skills. He can be a, a big-time punt returner. I like a lot of things about Caleb Smith. That was a very sneaky pickup for him. Uh, just does a lot of things I like a lot. Does he do anything great? No, but he does a lot of things really well. Uh, 
I see him as a slot guy, and I also feel the need for him was really high as well. Didn't factor into his grade, but I thought they needed a guy like that. Number seven was another high riser for me in this grade, and that's Sam Pendleton. Sam was near the bottom of the of the rankings for me when they first got him. He was probably second or third to last. He had a big jump for me. Now, his ceiling isn't as high as like a Sullivan Absher or even a Joe Otting, in my opinion. But his floor is incredibly high. He actually got quicker as a senior, I thought. I thought his athleticism flashed better. His, but his, but he's he's here because he is one of the most physically imposing players that Notre Dame signed in this class. The only other guy that's as physically dominant as him, just physically dominant, is Charles Jackson. That's it. And, and Sam is a guy that I love as a guard at the next level. Love his character. He's a future captain type of guy. Uh, but his his physicality was always there. But the thing that I thought is he moved better as a senior. He moved on the second level better. His pulls and traps were better. I just thought he looked more comfortable in space in in high school. He's not going to be a tackle at the next level. But in high school, he looked so much more comfortable in pass pro on the edge. Uh, so because his foot his foot quickness and agility was better. So I, I love uh, I love Sam Pendleton. He saw a big jump for me. Now he's lower down in the upside grade, but I, but I did like him. Uh, Rico Flores is next for me. Rico got a top 200 caliber grade for me with a four and a half star upside grade. I like Rico a lot. Very precise route runner. Very good ball skills. Tons of production in high school. Uh, this is a kid that can that knows how to play the game. He's going to end up being a guy that that probably outproduces his ranking. It wouldn't well, I say shouldn't say probably has a chance to outproduce his ranking. Love what he brings to the table. Again, it's sort of like Jaden Greathouse. He just doesn't have the same level of explosiveness as the other t- two receivers ahead of him, two of the three receivers ahead of him, Caleb Smith and Braylon James. But he did look quicker as a senior than he did as a junior off the ball. His top end speed looked a little bit better, but he's he's just not a guy that I see as like that home run guy, which kind of brings his grade down a little bit. And he's not as big as Jaden Greathouse, for example, because Jaden can make up for some of those things with – with uh with great size and strength but like rico a lot look ryan in past years rico flores is a top five signee in the notre dame offensive class i mean yeah. th- that's how deep this class is to have rico down at eight and then sullen absher at nine sullen absher is a guy that I've, I've really had to to work with his ranking a lot because i was willing to as a junior kind of be okay without releasing him in pass pro but now that he's gone through a senior year it's just I, I couldn't continue to grade certain things about him as high because of that lack of pass pro. I don't actually hold the all-star game against him. I don't care about that for me because I know he went in there. Number one, the circumstance, he got called like what, like a week and a half before the event started and Four said, Hey, can, can you come? Yeah. It's yeah. like, it was crazy. So can you come down here and play? So he wasn't really, didn't have the time to prepare for it like other guys did. And the kid just has never been in pass protection, but so it doesn't his grade didn't go down because of the all-star game, but the all-star game kind of was the evidence of you can only rank him so high because of the fact that he has so much of, of a big part of the game to learn. And so that's kind of where where he fell down, but still top 200 guy for me. I never thought he was a top 100 guy like 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 on three had him for a while. Then I think they overcorrected and dropped him out of the top 200. So to me, top 200 a guy for me, four and a half star upside guy. Uh, borderline five-star upside, but just not quite the athleticism that I want to see from a five-star upside guy. And that's really where it was for me. Love the size, love the power, love the strength, love the demeanor, love the personality. I just need a guy to be a little bit more athletic than than he is to be a five-star guy. But also the system he plays in makes it a little harder for him to show sometimes 
just what his athletic potential is going to be. Number 10 for me is Cooper Flanagan. I like Cooper Flanagan, but it's just it's one of those things where there's just nothing he does. It's great. He's just solid everywhere, which is going to hurt your grade in a ranking like this, but also helps you have a chance to be a pretty darn good football player when you get to college, right? Because he just does everything. He does it well. Just not great at everything. The other part of it, too, is there's just there's not a ton of senior film of Cooper Flanagan, which hurts his grade as well. Uh, I was able to find one full game and was able to evaluate that game. It was a, it was an okay performance. But I didn't want to focus too much on it because if you watched Tom Brady and his career and some of his worst games and all you saw was his worst games, you don't think he's a very good quarterback, right? That's true for everybody. But he's down hard, partly this low because there's just not a lot of senior film of him. And and that's something that hurts him a little bit. But I, I love the size. He's 6'5". I think you told me the other day that he said he's already over 250. That's a big boy. I'd love his blocking. I think he can be a good chain mover as a pass catcher, but he's just – for to for to be a tight end and be higher on my list, I just need you to be more of a of a a weapon as a pass receiver, and I think he'd be a good solid Ben Koyak type of pass catcher in in college. I just don't see him being the impact pass catcher that he's going to be, which is partly why he's down. But again, having a guy like Cooper Flanagan, who I ranked as a top two fifty caliber recruit, as your number ten player in the class, says a lot about the depth of this class. Ryan, number eleven is Joe Otting. Love Joe as a player. Love the upside. His upside is more of the focus on right now. Uh, he gained some weight, got up to around 265, 270 this year. Uh, athleticism stayed. That was a positive sign. The punch is there. He's much more physical than you'd expect the guy his size to be. He's really this low, Ryan, because he just didn't make, for me, the big jump that I hoped he would make with as a senior. Now, part of that is going to be because Joe is not a football-only guy. And guys like him always get better in college than they necessarily progress through their high school careers, which is why his upside grade is still high. Uh, love his potential, though, at the next level, Ryan. And again, it speaks to the volume of this class because he's another top 250 guy. There's a big gap between 11 and 12 for me. Uh, Chris Tarek was a guy. He was the lowest ranked player in the entire class for me. Three and a half star kid, uh, top 400 caliber prospect, 350 to 400 caliber prospect. I love the size. I love the toughness. He is the epitome of a phone booth player to me at the next level, uh, but just not a just the athleticism that I see on film is the thing that kind of dragged his grade way down. But very high marks for size and toughness, very high marks for physicality, very high marks for run game production. It's just the the foot the lack of foot quickness. He's got some tightness in his hips, and and I think those things are just. He's a lot like what Josh Lug was post-injury. He's got some tools like a Josh Lug has, but just not, doesn't move quite as well as Josh does. But good pickup. Uh, if that's your number five offensive lineman in the class, Ryan, you got a pretty darn good offensive line class. And I know some others have him ranked higher. I think that he's still a four-star by, by a couple of different services. But you know, good, solid pickup, but just not to the level of some of the other guys. So, Ryan, that is my – that is my 12-man ranking for the Notre Dame offensive class. Real quick upside grade, number one, Jagasaw. Number two, Braylon James. Number three, Jeremiah Love. Number four, Kenny Minchie. Number five, Jaden Greathouse. Number six, Caleb Smith. Number seven, Sullivan Absher. Number eight, Rico Flores. Number nine, Joe Otting. Number 10, Cooper Flanagan. Number 11, Sam Pendleton. Number 12, Chris Tarek. So that is my upside grade, right? So just thoughts on the offensive class. If you want to give your ranking, you can give your ranking. But that's kind of where I had the offensive class. And, and uh, there's definitely some movement for me in this one. Yeah, and, and I, I think that there's a lot I agree with, Brian. I mean, it really is. I mean, because I, I, I would just want to work through like a couple of my thoughts as far as 
maybe a couple of changes that I would make, right? A couple of guys that would be a little bit higher. And, and I think that that's kind of where I'm parlaying because you're right. I mean, there are a lot of, there are a lot of pockets in this ranking, in my opinion, where it's just like, man, like two to three players were just like, they're such similar ballparks, right? That you almost get to a conversation piece of like tiebreakers, right? Like, like it, it really comes down to those types of conversations for me. I mean, I think if we're working straight down, I mean, Charles Jagasaw and Jeremiah Love would be my top two in the class as well. Like there's no, there's no conversation piece in, in that. Braylon James and Jaden Greathouse, I think is a great conversation. It is. And I know it's one that we've had countless times on this show, off this show, because at the end of the day, those are the two six, two plus outside receivers from the state of Texas in this class that are both very well thought of. So they're going to be guys that are going to be kind of compared throughout their career. In my opinion, I think that people are going to kind of couple those two together and be like, those were your dudes in the wide receiver class in 2023, both from the state of Texas, both from the same area of Texas as well. And both have, I think, tremendous upsides as receivers. You know that personally, and I think this shouldn't be a surprise to anybody out there that listens to the show regularly. I would lead Jane Greathouse over Braylon James just slightly. And it's it more comes back down to because we agree in the simple fact that Jane Greathouse does have a higher floor. I mean, yeah, sure. I think I just I, I think I have a little more of a what the upside could be with Jaden. And I know that you had saw him as a five star upside grade. So it's not like you don't think that he has high upside. We're right? nitpicking between two yes. top hundred players. Is 100%. What it is, right? Yep. Yeah. I, I think for me, because it comes down to this, right? I really think that this conversation could be kind of exemplified here. Which is more important to your offense? And I don't think there's a right or wrong answer. This is why this is subjective. A 65 catch receiver that goes for 1,100 yards or a 90 plus catch receiver that goes for 1,100 something yards. Technically, you're getting the same receiver yard of production. It just looks differently. And I think that that's really, you know, it's apples to oranges because at the end of the day, how Jaden Greathouse wins is a whole lot different than how Braylon James wins. He's going to create more explosive plays than Jaden is. I think Jaden, though, if he hits his upside and he becomes the player that I think he's going to be, he's that guy that when you need to catch most, you're going to look to Jaden Greathouse. That's going to be your guy. He's your money player. And I and I know you do too, but I really value those types of kids, man, because at the end of the day, when the game matters most, who am I looking to? Who am I, Who's my guy that I'm going to get my eyes to quick? And even if he's covered or he has somebody in solid coverage against him, I'm going to try to put the ball in a good in a spot that he can make a play on. And I think that's Jaden Greathouse. I think it is. So I, I simply would have those guys swapped, you know, as far as I would have Jaden a little bit higher than Braylon. Braylon would still be in the same ballpark for me, though. He would be as far as your evaluation range, because if Braylon James hits, he's going to be a star. You know, he's not going to just be a good football player. Like if he hits, truly hits as good as he could be. Because you can't teach 6'3", 185 that runs in the 4'4s. Four like, you just can't teach that stuff. With long it's, arms. Right. Yeah. Ryan, I, I I feel like what we're doing is debating who's better, Michael Floyd or Will Fuller. Exactly. I, mean, I, I feel like that's kind of where it comes down to. And the question is, well, what is your what is your need? What do you like better, the possession guy or the home run guy? And I think that's what it comes down to for me. But Michael Floyd could also hit run home runs, and Will Fuller had games where he could make a lot of catches. So – uh, but we're three and four is still where you see them, right? Just you yes. flip it. Okay. How about after that? Where, where are you after that? I, I think the other wide receiver conversations where I look to next, honestly, I, I think that for me, 
I think you were a little bit higher on Caleb Smith. We've talked about that a ton. You, you can, we're, I'm a lot higher on Caleb You're a lot Smith. higher than Caleb okay. Smith. You can say it. You can say I, it. It's all I good. mean, just, just partially to your list, I would have Rico Flores higher, and I would just move Caleb Smith down. That's would you flip him six and, six and eight? Six and eight? Rico would, would definitely Caleb? Rico that would definitely go up to six. There's no question. Caleb, I would have a conversation with whether he is at eight or if I would have Sullivan Absher a little bit higher okay. over him. I'm sorry, five. I had him at six, but I had Caleb Smith at six. You'd put Rico at five, though, right? No, I would put Rico at six, right behind Kenny Minchie. Oh, Kenny so I would, de- I would definitely move Rico up to six. My my conversation would be: Would Caleb be eight? Would he be nine? Like, where was he in that kind of bucket gotcha. with like Sullivan and those types of guys? So, I mean, again, that comes out to personal preference. I like those types of players, and I, I'll be very forthcoming to my bias. My bias is I like the Jaden Greathouse types. I like the Rico Flores types. They might be exemplified as possession receivers, but I also consider those guys money players, you know? Yeah. See. Take a big jump as a senior. I thought I saw a much higher level athlete than what I saw as a junior. He was a good athlete as a junior. No doubt. I thought he was a very good athlete. He looked a lot, ton more explosive. I know you already talked about that. So we see that pretty close eye to eye. I just, again, Rico's Rico's uh, floor is just so high in this class. So I would just have him a little bit higher, I believe. And then my other, the other one that I just come back to, and it, it's, again, I think it is personal preference. Do you want Sam Pendleton higher? Do you want Sullivan Absher higher? Like, what's the tiebreaker there? And I, and we talked about this on the phone, and I was completely like, I'm still okay, 100 percent okay. Like, Sam Pendleton had a tremendous senior year. I think Sullivan Absher had a good, a really good senior year, but again, he had a really good senior year in a triple option offense where it's not 100 percent translatable to the next level. So it is a little bit of a wild card, especially because we know that the staff is most likely going to give him a chance to play offensive tackle early. So if your thought is – I am curious tackle, about that when the new hire gets made. That's going to be am, very interesting to see if the new hire is like, look, we can waste a year of him trying to play tackle, but let's move this guy to guard because he could be starting guard for us like soon if he hits. That'll be interesting. Because I think that changes a little bit of like your projection a little – not you specifically, just in general – of a Sullivan Absher, because it's much easier for me to project that guy at 6'7", 300-plus pounds, if he is more just power setting in, in pass protection rather than, you know, a true kick slide, a true 45-degree, a true vertical set. Like, those things I don't want to see out of Sullivan Absher. i be completely honest about that. That's not his game. His game is I'm going to get inside position early on in reps, and I am going to stay connected. That is his game. So if I said right now that Sullivan Absher is 100% going to play guard from the day he gets on campus to the day he leaves campus, I think that that kind of sways that the importance of pass protections to a degree. It's not going to be quite as important as if he was going to play offensive tackle because that is a completely different ballpark, man. Being comfortable in a 45 or a vertical set takes years and years and years for some guys. Like It's not just a natural thing. We, the best things we love about Sullivan Absher and Sam Pendleton and some of these other offensive linemen's class is what they do going forward. Some offensive linemen are just not comfortable playing in reverse. It's just not a comfort for them. But if you told me that Sullivan Absher 100% is going to be a guard at the next level, I, in my mind, I get a lot more eased to the fact that, like, hey, he has to learn pass protection, but I'd much rather teach him how to power set you know, and get into a guy's grill early on than him having the kick slide in the traditional sets. And if he does do that and he is a guard early on, I mean, we've talked about this. 
I've been on the boat that like, can he play tackle? Sure. But where would he fit best? Easily a guard for me. Like it was never a conversation because I do think Sullivan, I know you had a high upside grade on him, a bordering five-star. You had a four-and-a-half-star with a bordering five-star grade on him as far as upside. He could be a dang good guard, man, at the next level. I truly believe that, especially in a system that is predicated on toughness, physicality, getting downhill, inside zone, combo to the second level, some duo ripped in there. Like in that type of system, I think Sullivan Absher should be could be a really good football player. So I might just have him up slightly, possibly. But see, but again, but I'm open th- to that's the, the thing, though. Ryan is is the that's why I don't put upside into this particular ranking because it's so much about projection. That's why I have an upside ranking because you, you factor that out because then you can start. You're just putting all your tools, you guys, at the top of a of a ranking, and so that's why I came up with the two ranking system to to, to for guys like him. That that's the guys like Sullivan Absher are why you have the upside ranking grade because there is a significant gap. The debate I had about Sullivan Absher and the upside one, and and it's like I've gone back and forth. Like I made the ranking when I made it, and then as I look at it now, I'm like, man, I probably should have put up uh, Absher higher. He, I had him seven. I you could have easily made a case that he's six behind ahead of Caleb Smith. And as I think about, it, I'm like, yeah, I pro- probably would. But it comes down to for me, I've just still never seen him really pass, bro, as a guard <laughs> or a tackle. But yeah. the tools are there, and that's why you rank the upside great because it, it it allows us to differentiate between what makes Sam Pendleton a good prospect and what makes Sullen Absher a good prospect. For Sam Pendleton, it's like, dude, you know what he's going to be. He's the guy that could come in and play early be, and, and just be sound his whole career, you know, whereas Sullivan Absher may not play for two, three years. But then all of a sudden the light goes on, and you're like, holy moly, this kid went from being like not playing a lick to like he's one of your best blockers. Yeah. And and that's why the upside ranking is was put in there. So we we also um, one guy wanted to ask you about Ryan. Yep. We both have Christopher Tarek at the bottom, I believe, of our ranking. Correct. Wh- where do you have Joe Odding in your ranking? Because I know you're a lot higher. You're not. I'll say a lot higher because I like Joe as well. But I think you're a tad higher from a ranking standpoint on Joe uh, than than, uh, than than I think that I was. Or do you have? Do you think it's a fair place? He, he would fit in the same exact spot. And it's not it's not really as much about Joe as in the fact that, like you said, in a typical year, having a Cooper Flanagan as your 10th best offensive player, man, like that's wild. I mean, if we think about it, you know, like it, Notre Dame offensive recruiting this year, I would say, Brian, across the board, man, they hit their numbers that we've talked about. But they just got really good players across the board, man. Like, I mean, we're sitting here where you had 4.0 grades on everybody but one player of a current grade. I mean, that's wild when you really think about it. So I would have Joe in the exact same spot. I would have him at 11 out of the 12. And again, that's not much on Joe because I think Joe could still be a really good center at Notre Dame if he adds the weight properly, if he continue, if he is able to – keep the athleticism that he has on a bigger frame if he continues to develop properly. Like, I think he could do that. But at the end of the day, I mean, you still got Cooper Flanagan, Sullivan Absher, Rico Flores, and Panthers. Like, it's still a good, a dang good list that's in front of him, right? So I don't think that that changes the position. It's just the simple fact that, like, hey, man, you finished 11 out of 12 for the simple fact that Notre Dame got some dogs on the offensive side of the football and just consistently across the board. I mean – there's a lot of high floor players in this class, and there's some other guys that you look at not only high floor players like a Charles Jagasaw, Jeremiah Love, but like that upside is also tremendous. So I don't mm-hmm. think it says anything about Joe Otting where he is on the list. It's just the simple fact that Notre Dame did a really good job 
hitting a lot of needs in this offensive line, offensive group, I should say. Well, that's another thing that one of the feedbacks was, boy, I'm a little concerned about how low ranked some of those offensive linemen are. And like that says that's because of how darn good this receiver class is. Like, trust me, like, look, this is the problem when you put a ranking. Somebody says, well, that guy's number nine. Gee, that's not good. In an offensive, that's not good. No, no, it is good because in other classes, he'd be five, six, four. This is a, a phenomenal receiver class. They signed one of the best running backs in the country. They signed a top 100 quarterback in the country. The all three of four of the five offensive linemen ranked as top 250 guys or higher on our board, right? That's really good, including one five star guy. So it says more about the skill than it does about anything else, to be exactly. completely honest with you. Yeah. And I mean, so, that, that's that's really what it comes down to, man. It's like, I mean, to put it into perspective, all four of your receivers, I know you had you had a you had top 100 grades on Jane Greathouse and Braylon James. You had a top 150 on Caleb. So what'd you have on Rico? A top 200, right? On him? Yes. yes. So you had four receivers. And he was borderline 150 grade. He was really close to a top 150 grade. Because I have a point system. You have to get to a certain points number to yeah. be in that range. Like it's divided up by points. And so like sometimes I'll have a gut feeling. I hate this guy's going to be higher on my gut feeling. And then I type in the grades and I evaluate him and he's not as high or sometimes the guy's higher. Sam Pendleton was higher on my ranking than I thought he was going to be after I, I put everything in. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's where that comes from. Yeah. And I think that that context is important. I mean, to your point of just where this, you know, some of the spots that it's loaded again, you have four receivers in the Notre Dame class that ranked as top 200 national recruits for you. Like that is crazy depth at one spot. You have a running back, you have an offensive lineman in front, you have a quarterback, but I mean, really it comes down to the skill positions that Notre Dame was able to get in the 2023 class at wide receiver and, and the running back they got in Jeremiah love. I mean, you got in that, in that regard, you're talking about five kids in your ranking that got a 200, a top 200 or better grade. I mean, that speaks volumes to the, to the talent level they got here. Oh, it, it does, Ryan. And I think that was the key. That was the important part of this whole conversation was you needed to go out and get that kind of depth in this class. That was so, so very important. And, you know, like last year, for example, this year, 11 of the 12 signees were top 250 guys or higher. You know, last year they had nine of, you know, guys like that. And in past years, it would, it'd be lower numbers. I mean, you know, for example, uh, the 2021 class had some guys at the top of the board that, that ranked very high. It was a very strong class, but then there was like, after the first, like five or six, you know, there was, the, you know, there was a bit of a, you know, bit of a, no, it's not, la it was not last year's the, I think the 2020 class it was a 2020 class is what it was. You know, so so the thing I like about what Notre Dame is doing is they're starting to stack depth on back top of each other. So like the 2021 class, it was like seven or eight deep of top 200 players. I had like Audric estimate eighth in that class or, and offensively. And Jaden Thomas was ninth in that class. So you're stacking depth. But this class has more top 250 guys on on both sides of the ball than any class I've ever evaluated for Notre Dame. And, and so that that says a, a lot in my view. And I think I think we talked about this on the phone yesterday, but that's what makes Georgia so good, guys. Right. Like that's what it is. It's not. Yes, they have Jalen Carter. They have those types of guys, right? We don't have to talk about how good Jalen Carter is. I've talked about him a hundred times already. That's a top five NFL draft pick every single year he comes out. Like he's that good. But it's the fact that you take Jalen Carter off the field, 
here comes Bear Alexander and Warren Brinson, right. and, and they just throw waves at you, man. And that's where Notre Dame needs to get to. It's like, yeah, you're always going to need your stars, but when your stars come off the field, here comes wave number two. Oh man, Ooh, we, we as an offensive staff now. Oh man, we we fight. We got through the second wave. Thank gosh. Let's let's work to the third team. Here comes another wave. Like just keep throwing waves at dudes, and they get overwhelmed. So that's what makes Georgia such a good team. That's when Alabama was really at its peak. Like they would just throw dudes at you, man. I remember when Marcel Darius was a second string defensive tackle. Like who the heck's Marcel Darius? And then he comes in there, and you're just like, this dude's a game wrecker. Like what are we doing here? You know? Like that's where it comes from. You need those waves of depth. That's what I think is the real separator in today's game. Right now, what I'd like to see them moving forward on offense is more of the top fifty guys. That's I mean. That's that's what I want to see. A few more top 100 guys, but it's getting much, much, much closer. Let's go to the defensive side of the ball because honestly, Ryan, I feel like the top, I feel like the depth of the 2000, I think the top end talent of the offensive class is better, but the depth of the, of the defensive class is better. And, and I'll, I'll get into that. And I think there's more true, like there's, there's, there's a really big time five, like there's more five star uh, guys on defense than their own offense in this class for me. So number one, I had some changes at the top. Again, my previous number one was Drake Bowen. My new number one is, is Jaden Osbury. Drake's grade uh, went up in some areas down in some other areas and, and some different things. He, he was borderline four and a half star top two fifty. He fell just a couple points. He's right on the brink of being that top 50 guy. So if I was doing a ranking, I'd have Drake probably like it, like 55 to 60 right now, based on where his points were. And, and I'll get into that in a minute. But Jaden Osbury really went up for me. He was a guy that was a four-and-a-half-star guy for me last year. He went up again this year. Loved J- loved what I saw from Jaden Osbury. Everybody knows he's one of my favorites. Athletic, high football IQ, uh, got bigger this year, looked a little taller, filled out, was smooth, was explosive, was fluid, incredibly productive as a linebacker. And part of the thing I love about him too, Ryan, is – He's a pretty raw player still technically. He just gets by on God-given ability. He's not a fundamentally sound player, which means when that comes, he's got a chance to be good. And he's a modern linebacker. And this is really what separates him and Drake Bowen. This right here is what separates the two. Jaden is, a to me right now, much further along in pass pro than Drake is. Partly because in high school, Drake's mostly a zone guy, and he blitzes a lot. And Jaden just has a lot more experience at it and just plays more speed and has to be better at it. But his all-around game is just outstanding for me. I loved what I saw from Jaden Osbury this year. Uh, Christian Gray is my number two. If y'all remember, I had Christian Gray as a top 150 guy when he committed to Notre Dame. I liked him. I wasn't like in love with him as a player. This The speed that everyone said he had, I just didn't see on film, to be completely honest with you. He was solid. He stuck with people and all that. Christian as a senior was a much better player. He was a borderline top 50 guy for me as a senior. Uh, he was, uh, I think, about two points off of being a top 50 guy. Drake was like four points off of being a top 50 guy. This is on a scale that where their points are getting into the six and seven hundreds, just to give you guys some context. And so they were very close to that top 50 range for me. Christian Gray's length, his his athleticism, his Football IQ, I mean, he's, they got a lot of really smart kids on defense this year, right? Like really high football IQ guys. Christian's another one. But the biggest reason for the jump was, number one, I got to see him do it against dudes all year, and he was locking guys down. Locked down Carnell Tate, locked down Ryan Wingo, you know, locked down Jeremiah McClellan, locked down Aaron Scott. I mean, he was just – he was lights out this year. But I saw the speed more. 
there was a play I showed to that I was talking to you about where, you know, he he's playing off coverage at like the 15 yard line. I don't know why they were asking him to do that. And a guy breaks on an in route right in front of him by three, four yards, and he just explodes to the guy. Maybe if the ball's thrown a split second sooner, it might be a touchdown because it was it was the way that the coverage was set up. But he just flew downhill. You could see the speed, and he just was able to break up the pass. That's what the big jump for me was about. He always had the good feel for coverage. He always had the length. He got stronger as a senior, a lot stronger as a senior, and his speed really flashed for me as a senior. That's why he was number two. Drake Bowen for me is number three. Uh, Drake had a very, very – he he was the best, arguably the best high school football player in this class this year, in my opinion, as a defensive class. Like just what he did as a high school player was special this year. Uh, I love that he got stronger and, and fit thicker. I think his his short area quickness is still outstanding. He's explosive in tight areas. I think he put a little bit too much weight on too quick because his long-range speed to me wasn't as good this year as it was last year to me. Uh, his pass coverage grade is a little bit lower than Jaden's, but this is an outstanding football player that that showed a uh, the thing that that I liked about Drake is he looked more in, he looked more natural playing football this year. Where in the past he was sort of an athlete to play football. This year he looked like a football player. He looked more instinctive, uh, and he arrives at the ball with a lot of force. Like yes. Drake is a really physical kid. And the other thing about Drake, the same also true about Jaden. It's he is a kid to me that has a lot of need for improvement. They both have a need a lot of work on block destruction, and Drake needs a lot of work on footwork. And that's where you kind of get excited, Ryan, because that's why they're five-star guys, because they're not close to reaching their full potential. Jaden needs time in the weight room, and he's going to need that work as well. Drake's going to be – if anything with Drake, I'm like, let's get some of that muscle off of you and kind of build you up a little bit differently because you got a little tight this year. I think that's the thing that kind of hurt me with Drake is, is he wasn't as fluid as he was in past years because I do think he got a little bit too muscular too early for me. And that's what impacted his grade. Still an outstanding, outstanding football player for me, Ryan. And my number three guy. My number four guy, and this one surprised me. When I popped the grades in, this one surprised me. I knew he'd be up there upside-wise, but Brandon Hillman was my number four guy. And, and even grading him as a safety, he was my number four guy. And, and, you know, look, what do I love about him? He's long. He's exceptionally athletic. He's not a burner. But his explosiveness and change of direction and fluidity is as good as anybody in the class, in my opinion. His foot quickness is exceptional. Uh, he made a he makes a lot of plays on defense for a kid that has no clue what he's doing technically at this point in time. And I love the versatility. You're talking about a kid, Ryan, that could start in college at four different positions. Safety, rover, receiver, running back. Like you, The number of guys you could count that could be an, a starter at a place like Notre Dame at four positions is you could probably count it on one, maybe two hands. Like That versatility was a big part of his grade, incredibly productive, but man, this kid is athletic. And the more you watch this film, you're like, this kid is just a different kind of athlete. He reminds me a lot of Jeremiah Wusukoromo coming out of high school, a lot, except he's a little bit more comfortable playing on the back end where Jeremiah was more of a a rover. He's got more speed than Jeremiah had. Jeremiah was not fast. Jeremiah was explosive and twitchy, but he wasn't necessarily fast in a traditional sense. But they're, they're they play fast and they're incredibly rangy, and that's what makes Jeremiah be able to play with the range he has, even though he doesn't have you know forty speed time. He's so exceptionally quick and explosive and instinctive, and that's where I think Brandon comes in. Number five for me was Michael Bell. 
Uh, Micah had an, another guy. He dropped a little bit, Ryan, uh, in the ranking because it's, the standard is a little bit different as a senior. The speed is unreal. This is one of the most explosive kids in the country. Legit 4-3 speed. Uh, and and surprisingly productive on the ball for a guy that's maybe five nine and a half, right? Maybe five ten. Uh, makes a lot of plays in the ball. There's one, for example, he made uh, in the All Star game where he was playing the post on I think like a six three six four guy, and he out jumps the guy and makes a breakup on the ball. Uh, he's a guy that I think brings a lot of return value to the to the team, punt return, kick return value. As uh, a kid that can play can, can tackle for his size. Projects more as a nickel outside corner to me. Nickel slash outside could play those two spots. The the thing that hurt him a little bit is his technique saw no jump at all as a senior. So that grade went down because I expect you to at least show some improvement as a senior. And I didn't see any improvement from a technical standpoint as a senior, which again ultimately doesn't hurt your upside because that's what that's what your coaches are expected to do. And I have a lot more confidence in the Notre Dame cornerbacks coach to get that out of his corners than I do the linebacker coaches right now to get that out of the linebackers, if I'm being honest with you. Uh, top 150 caliber prospect, but still another five-star upside guy because you look at him, Ryan, and I see a guy that's faster and even more explosive than Tariq Bracey in a very similar body and already thicker than Tariq Bracey is at this point. So love this kid's upside. Number six for me is Devin Houston, which I think might surprise some people. Again, this is a current grade. This is where they are now. The upside grade is going to look a lot different on defense. There's a tons of you, – you know what the upside grade is, Ryan, on all defense. It's It's wild. Love Devin Houston, great size. Love him as a nose. Think he can play three technique. Uh, t- again, another guy that needs a lot of technical work, but he is more consistent with his technique than the other D linemen, and so he makes a ton of plays quick off the line. When he keeps his pads low, he's very disruptive. Love the love the length that he brings to the table, and I really think it could be a disruptive nose in this defense if they're willing to let him build into that. He's going to be an easy three hundred pounds quickly. Like he's 270 now, and he's got a body that can get a lot of reshaping and add a lot of good mass. I love this kid. He great earned a top 150 overall grade for me. My number seven guy is probably the biggest riser in the class. I believe that Preston Zinner at one point was my lowest ranked defensive player in the class. I believe. I have to go back and look at my rankings. He shot up a bunch as a senior. He's number seven, but he earned a top 150 grade for me, Ryan. I love Preston Zinner's film his senior film. And I just got it in the last couple of weeks. He got taller. He yeah. added at least five to 10 pounds, at least his arms looked longer and he didn't lose a step of athleticism as a senior. His range for his size, Ryan is outstanding. Like I thought he was going to be like a, you know, probably have to end up being a Viper, you know, but when you watch him play this year, Ryan, he could be a Mike in this defense. He is rangy. His tackle-to-tackle explosiveness really impressed me as a senior. He arrives at the football in a lot of force. Uh, The only thing that kind of keeps him down is his coverage skills right now aren't what the other two linebackers are. And and so that's a thing for me, and he's probably just a step slower than them, pure 40-time-wise. But his foot quickness, his agility, his change of direction, when he explodes downhill, Ryan, he covers a ton of ground. And, and he also is a guy that can can still play Viper if you need him to. He could still grow into that position. But he looked like a much more natural linebacker as a senior, where he played a lot on the edge. He just looked like an athletic kid as a junior. He got taller, thicker, faster, more explosive, and looked like a more natural linebacker. He was a big riser for me, and I'm very curious to see what your opinion on that is once we kind of get to that point. Eight, Brennan Vernon, full disclosure, I see. I saw maybe 10 clips of Brennan Vernon as a senior. 
So his grade is here. He fell down. He still got a top 150 grade for me, Ryan. Still gave him a five-star upside grade. But the standard's different when you're a senior than you are a junior. I, I just didn't see enough of him. So I couldn't raise his grade or, or do anything with it. And still love the motor, still love the physicality. I saw some good things from him at the All-Star game, some really good things from the All-Star game. But I just – I don't evaluate All-Star games, Ryan. They just don't mean a lot to me. You know, I need to see what you did over the course of your entire senior season. And so Brennan fell down the rankings a little bit, but his upside grade is still five-star. He's still a top 150 guy. I just can't justify keeping him in the top 100 because I just haven't seen enough film of him. So full disclosure, that's more of a lack of film than it is seeing something I didn't like from Brennan. And he's he's not the only one. Number nine, Adon Schuler. Him and Ben Miniature, I have a feeling, are going to make me look dumb for where I have them ranked. Uh, I love everything there is about Adon, right? Smart, heady, playmaker, can play a couple different safety spots. The reason he's this low, really, is just because he doesn't do anything great. He's listed at 6'1", 190. He doesn't look 6'1", to me, right? And, no. and he looks more 5'11"-ish for me. But I love the feet. I love the physicality for his size. Uh, he's he's The big thing for me is for him to go up in my grade, I just need to see a little bit more man coverage from him. And we don't see a ton of that. I saw some good things at the All-Star game. But in high school on film, you know, one-on-ones only – only tell me so much, Ryan. I need to see actually covering in, in games. I, I love the talent. He's a top 200 kid for me. It's just there's no grade. There's like like each guy above him has like one or two grades that are just really higher than other grades, and that moves him up the list. For him, he's just really steady. Just everything is just good, 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 good. There's nothing elite about him. But again, in other years, a Don Schuler's a top five to six prospect in Notre, for Notre Dame. This year, he's ninth. Number 10 is Armel Mookum. I'm going to talk about him in a little bit later. Uh, number 11 for me is Bubakar Traore. I'm going to talk about him as well. But for uh, Armel, the reason he's here, he's still a little raw. And 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 the level of competition he plays, to me, made some of the things he did look a little better than they actually are because he was playing guys that are way inferior to him talent-wise. And I'll get to him a little bit more. Bubakar, the reason he fell is simply, Ryan, he didn't play a lot as a senior and there's very little film of him. And what I did see, I didn't see a guy that necessarily improved a lot technically. And he's an incredibly raw player. And so that's why he ranks lower. Still a two and a half, still a top 250 player. I'm going I'm to save the, the breakdowns of them for when I get the upside grade. Number 12 is Ben Minich. He's another one that I feel like is going to make me look stupid for this ranking. But I also think having Ben Minich 12th, and whether you want to put him 9th, 10th, 11th, 9th, whatever, Having him in the bottom half of your of your class after the senior year he had and the jump in athleticism he showed uh, says a lot about how deep your class is. Again, he is the 12th lowest-ranked player in his class for me, Ryan, and he earned a top two – defensive class. Earned a top 250 grade for me. Like, love Ben Minich. Love his instincts. He's, at, he's more athletic than I thought he was going to be this year. He hits. But a lot like a Don, he just doesn't do anything great that I've seen but still a very good football player. That is my upside grade. I had Hillman three, Christian Gray four, Micah Bell five, Brennan Vernon six, Drake Bowen seven, Jaden Osbury eight, all five-star kids. Preston Zinner nine, Devin Houston 10, Ben Minich 11, Adon Schuller 12. I had Bubakar and Armel Mookum one and two. And I know you and I talked about this. I think you have Armel one, Bubakar two. I have Bubakar one, Armel two. The reality is, is these are two of the most physically gifted kids in the class. They just have a long way to go before they're going to get there. I think Armel's further along now because of a senior year. He made jumps technically, 
that Bubakar just didn't make in the limited snaps we saw from him. 6'4", 250, twitchy, uh, burst off the edge, explosive off the edge. He's just still really raw as a player. And so his he's down that low because his technique grades and things like that are really low for me right now, and he's still learning the game. And Bubakar is my number one, Ryan. You talk about just God-given ability, 80-plus inch wingspan. So does Armel, by the way. 6'4", 255, could easily be a 280-pound defensive end. Bubakar could. He could also slide inside. I think Bubakar probably has a frame that's a little bit probably better suited down the road for D-tackle than Armel. I feel like Armel's kind of already ripped up where Bubakar's just thick, you know, so he could get up to 280-plus. But Bubakar, to me, Ryan, with his his burst off the line, his hands are incredibly heavy and powerful. He just has no clue how to use them. When you talk about where these guys are ranked now in the lower grade, they would probably be top borderline top 100 kids if I factored the upside grade into the current grade. If I combined them into one grade, they're arguably top five kids in this class on defense, Ryan, and both top 100 caliber kids. When I take the upside grade out, that's why they fell. And that's or I say that's why they fell. That's why they're a little lower because they're incredibly raw kids. But the the God-given ability and length and explosiveness that Bubakar and Armel bring to the table is exceptional. And that's why they were huge pickups. They're just not guys, in my opinion, that come in day one and help you. And I would argue that Armel, a kid who's played football for like, what, two years, two years is soon. more ready to come in and play than Bubakar is at this point in time, <laughs> which is wild. nuts. Yeah. And Bubakar and Bubakar also saw his grade get dinged because of the uh, because of the injuries. Like that's part of the grade. Is he's he got a little banged up last year, and he got a little bit banged up again this year, and that that factors into it. So that's that's my my rankings, Ryan. And I don't know if I've ever had a, a year where I had kids rank tenth and eleventh in a, on a side of the ball, then rank one and two in upside grade. I don't know if I've ever evaluated that before. But that's where they are with Bubakar and Armel. And it's also same with Brennan Vernon, but that's also why the D-line class concerns me a little bit. Because you've got a lot of boomer bust after Devin Houston. And the hit rate for boomer bust guys is lower than the hit rate for a guy that's a kind of a five-star now. You know, where because the guy that's a five-star now may never be a five-star, but he's at least going to be yeah, he's a solid player for you. Where these guys may never play a snap, but meaningful snap for you. But if they boom, they're going to be big time. But that's um that's a little bit of the concern for me. So, and you throw Brennan Vernon into that category as well is just, you know, this he could be a stud and he could also just be a solid, I think Brennan's floor is higher than Armel in Brent and Booba cars, but it's not as high as some people think. And I know you've made that case a lot before, Ryan. So what are your, what are your thoughts on the defensive class and, and where things are at this point? I think it's a very interesting discussion because again, similar to the offensive side of the football, I think that there's some players that are, grouped by position that you could have great conversations with of whether you want to flip them, whether one is maybe projects to a more important position, like those types of conversations happen. I mean, I, cause I would also have Jaden Osbury as the top linebacker in this class, right? Like I would have that slightly over Drake Bowen, but I think the conversation then comes to what's more important in your defense, right? And, and, I don't think there's a hundred percent of clarity to this. You know, I, I know that it's a linebacker driven position for how Al Golden likes to run his defense, but I, I, mean, I remember when we talked about when I first hired here, Drake Bone was obviously already committed to Notre Dame. And we used to talk about, Hey, does he keep his weight to about 215 pounds? Like it is right now. 
because he's going to play college baseball and like, you don't want to put too much weight on and you want to, you know, stay, make sure that you're staying limber and you're staying, you know, flexible. And at that point we're like, you know, is Drake a Rover turned will eventually. Now I'm in the situation where I look at Drake Bowen and I'm like, he might be a Mike, right? Like he might be a Mike linebacker at the next level, which is a good thing. I think because he is now, and I agree. I think there's a little bit of a reshaping of the body can happen and not a bad reshaping. It's not like you're taking off bad weight and you're putting on good weight. You're just taking off good weight and you're putting on maybe more efficient weights, if that makes sense. Right. But I mean, Drake Bowen now is 230 pounds. I think it was 231 pounds at the all-star game. Like my guy is ready physically for, you know, just from a, you know, if you see him on the hoof, like he looks like he's ready to go. So if you have a Jay Nosbury and a Drake Bowen in a similar ballpark, does the positions that they project to, does that matter in your evaluation, Brian? Like I'm asking you that in general, like, right. Is, so if you have two guys that are top 50 ish football players for you, let's just say in a vacuum, Jay Nosbury is a true will at the next level and Drake Bowen's a true Mike. Does that change where you slot somebody because of how you value a position? This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It depends on the specific defense he's going into, but yes, in theory, absolutely. For example, if a guy's going to, a, if a Mike, if I have a Mike and a Will that are very close in grade, and he's going to a Mike dominant defense, then that's going to matter. That's going to that fit. That's part of the intangible grade is the fit, right? The fit of the system you're going into. At Notre Dame, however, I think the Will is the more impactful position. And so, yes, that did factor into the intangible grade for me because I think Jaden, I think they can both play Mike or Will. I think they both can. I think Jaden could end up being a Jonathan Vilma type of Mike if he can get up to 225, right? However, I think Jaden is better suited at Will, could play Mike. Drake is better suited at Mike, but could play Will. Or potentially even maybe do some Viper stuff in pass rushing situations, like a Bo Bauer type of role. So, yeah, yeah Ryan, that does factor into it. It's one of those things that can separate the intangibles grade because you've got to find a way to fit a, to, to, to include fit into your evaluation of a kid. That has to matter when you're doing evaluations, and I know it does to you, where yes. you can look at a quarterback and say, well, these two guys are very similar grade, but this guy's going to a system that fits what he does perfectly, and this guy's to a system where I'm like, I don't see what the fit is, right? Like, that's one of the things that that, that I thought was so smart about the, the decision that Nico, uh, the quarterback from California, made going to Tennessee. I thought he's a little – I think he still thinks he's a little overrated, but – for his unique skill set and the needs he has as a player and the work that he, he's going to the perfect system for him. Like I literally, if you were to say assign the quarterbacks where you think they should go, 
I'd have had a hard time finding a better fit for him than Tennessee, especially when you look at what just Josh Heupel did with uh, with uh, uh, Dylan Gabriel at UCF for a year, a kid with a very long release that struggled after Josh Heupel left, in my opinion. And then you look at what he did with Hendon Hooker, another guy that's a longer limbed guy uh, with a with a longer release because of how long limbed he is. Nico needed that kind of guy because. That's a different type of coaching than a guy who's six two with normal sized arm length, and so uh, that factored in. Same thing here. So that that did have a little bit of a factor into me. Just for example, Ryan, like Christian Gray, is going to get a little bit of a boost for me over Micah Bell because he's a he's a guy that I think can play the boundary. Where yeah. Micah's a field guy. It's like Christian can play all three spots. Micah can only play two. Well, that's going to separate things a little bit for me. So yes, that's a great question, Ryan, and that absolutely for me is part of the in, injuries, production, and fit are three of the key categories in my intangibles grade. Yeah, And Jaden Osbury, to me, uh, graded out a, a little higher in that one uh, than, than Drake Bowen did for me, just a, a tad higher. Because I do think of the, the will is such an important position in this defense, in my view. And, and I, I think another in, a, a intriguing conversation on the list is Brennan Vernon. I think he's another intriguing one because I agree there was obviously there's not a ton of film out there for Brennan's senior year and shouldn't be surprised (laughs) just by knowing Brennan a little bit, right? But I think the one interesting part of him is that he was a player and he would say this to you point blank period. Like this isn't speculation. This isn't my opinion. He put on too much weight as a senior. He played at like 285, 290. And you could tell that his body type was just so much different than what it was as a junior. And I don't think he put on a bunch of good weight. I mean, he literally said at the all-star game to uh, to reporters around him and to me as well, is that he felt fat <laughs> as a senior, you know? So mm-hmm. he goes to the, to the, to the all American bowl down in San Antonio and he's 260 pounds, 259 pounds, after playing at 285, 290. So while I agree, and, and I know we see eye to eye on this, I don't over I don't over-evaluate on all-star games. I don't do it because I have seen NFL in the NFL draft space way too often. A guy has a subpar senior year and then he goes to senior bowl, he knocks it out of the park, and all of a sudden, oh man, that's who he is. Well, what about the 12 games he just played this past season? That doesn't matter at all over three days of practice. Right. So I, I 100% I think we agree on that, but I think it's a little bit different when talking about Brennan because Brennan also had a body transformation, right? right? Like he was a different player in San Antonio than what he was in Mentor Ohio because he was literally 290 versus 260. You know what I mean? Right. And and not a good 290. And that's exactly. the thing he said. It wasn't a good 290. It wasn't like no. he was jacked up and where he needed. It was not a good 290. Yeah. Now so you he, get to build him up to 290 the right way. So I'm glad he lost that weight. Now Notre Dame can build him up to 290 plus the right way if that's where his body can be, which I think it can. Exactly. I do exactly. So so while I don't yeah, I don't go over the top on All-Star games, Brennan Vernon's performance at that All-Star game did mean a lot to me personally, just because he didn't he didn't look like he had good weight on him as a senior. He looked a little sluggish. He didn't look quite as explosive. In San Antonio, that wasn't an issue, man. Like, you saw it, right? Like, he moved incredibly well. His body looked great. And he improved throughout that entire week. Because that's another thing is that Mentor didn't use him as an attack-style player. They asked him to be very 
gap sound, don't attack, like just be a read and react player. And I thought that seeing what Brendan could look like when you just kind of take the shackles off a little bit and let him go, I think that showed me a little bit more of what he potentially is and can be, both into the kind of the player now and the upside, especially after losing that weight and being in a better body shape. So my only thing is that, like, you know, I'm not arguing about, like, I'm not saying, like, I would move Brendan Vernon from eight up into four or something like that. But maybe I move him up one or two spots. You know, maybe I get him up to six, up to seven, just based upon the body transformation and what I saw in San Antonio. Because I just think he was a different football player than what we saw of him as a senior, if that makes sense. It kept him from sliding for me as far as Bubakar gotcha. did. I mean, to, to your point, right? Like, because I had him six. It kept him from sliding down even further because if it was just a senior film, the 10 to 12 clips we saw of him was an overweight kid that that wasn't being used correctly. Right. So I think it definitely helps solidify that uh, really quick. Brandon Plesner, I didn't have Schuler 12 in the ranking. I had him 12 in the upside grade. That means if everybody maxes out their potential, he's 12. And the reason why is what I had said during the thing, which is I, I see nothing special about him physically. Yeah. All the special stuff about Adon is here and here. That's yeah. the reality of it. Whereas whereas Ben Minich has a lot of that, but Ben Minich is a little bit more athletic than Adon is from what I can tell. But I think it speaks volumes of just to what his upside is. Cause Adon's a really, really good football player. And, really and can I say player. too about Ben Minich? I think the one thing too, is we just talked about the importance of like Mike versus will in the defense. I value personally, and I don't know where you are on this conversation, but I value tremendously the guy that could play free safety and could play from depth a lot, because I think that that helps everyone in front of him. I think it helps you be a little bit more aggressive in what coverages you want to run. And it makes a, like a guy that can play some single high free safety and play that true role in the middle of the field, closed role. That guy for me, if they can do that, it is an effective way. And what I saw a lot of Ben Minich as a senior, that's the type of guy that makes up for a lot of mistakes defensively and can erase those mistakes, but also allow you to take chances. And ultimately, again, you're running – Al Golden's defense, but at the end of the day, Marcus Freeman's the the guy up top, and I think that fo- foundationally, what he wants in a defense is what a lot what we saw at Cincinnati, where Cincinnati could be very aggressive. Why? Because they had a lot of dudes on the back end that could allow their front seven to maybe give some different blitz, blitz pressure packages because they could play man to man, they could play single high free safety, they can do a lot of different things, and I think that Ben Minich is one of those kids that. The fact that uh, that the role that he could fill is in that free safety role that could play from depth and make some players around him look good at times that maybe make mistakes. I think that that is another kind of separator maybe between, you know, a, a free safety or, well, a Notre Dame's defense, uh, boundaries, uh, a field safety versus boundary safety or free safety versus strong safety, depending on how we're terming those those phrases, right? So I just think that the role that Ben Minich plays is also very important and something to consider in that situation. Absolutely. Ryan, who is your top five upside-wise in the on the defensive side of the ball? So I would I would have Armel Mukum number one. And, I mean, it's for a lot of the same reasons that you said, right? Like it's – I mean, it's you the, can't J- teach. Real quick, Ryan, it's the, it's the yeah. Braylon – Jaden Greathouse discussion all over again. Yes. Yep. It's we're nitpicking between two very close kids. So yes. you don't have to you don't have to feel the need to defend it compared to what I said. It's one two versus one two. It's 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 yeah. uh, who, who you know it's Peyton it's Peyton Manning versus Tom Brady, right? I mean it, it, <laughs> right. it who who would you rather have Tom Brady or Peyton Manning? 
Yes. <laughs> it's just yes. Yeah. You know, so yeah, that's it. That's it. Yeah, so you I mean, those freely, the- my, my point is, you can speak freely about your valuation without feeling like you need to somehow defend it against what I said. That's, I know that's from that just came across like you were trying to defend it. Like, well, you know, here's why I compare. So just speak freely. You you don't have to agree uh, with me. Speak freely. I have no problem speaking freely. Okay. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, Armel Bubakar would be number one and two for me for a lot of the same reasons that we already spoke about, you know, I mean, they're in similar packages, 164, 250, 164, 255. I think the growth that I saw with Armel from a first year ever playing football to a second year ever playing football and still the growth that he can go. Cause I mean, as a senior, I thought one thing about Armel Mukum you saw was there were a little bit of moves that were kind of pressed in there, right? Like it wasn't perfect all the time, but you saw that the things are starting to click up top to match the physical profile. So he was one for me, Bubakar for two, Similar to the same things that you said about, you know, just you haven't seen enough of Bubakar Traore, but at the end of the day, you can't teach 6'4", 255 with vines. Like those things right. are easy to see. I would have Christian Gray number three just because I, I think that that speed did really show up as a senior. And it's an intangible thing. It's not as tangible as saying like height, weight, speed, but it's an intangible to say there is a competitive nature to Christian Gray that, I mean, a lot of corners in the 2023 class and just in general, if I told you, you know, this week you have to play Cornell Tates, this week you have to play Aaron Scott, the next week you have to play Ryan Wingo, and then we're playing Jeremiah McClellan and Jeremiah Love. Like, in those matchups, I think some corners would be like, dang, man, like, can I get a break? Can I get a bye week somewhere in there? Like, that's wild, right? Christian Gray is not that guy. He he wants that type of smoke. Like, he wants that. And I think that that is a – big separator in that upside is the fact that I don't think that Christian Gray is ever going to back down from those types of conversations and those types of matchups. So he's six foot runs in the four fours has length. Those are great tangible things, but then that intangible of the competitive nature he has, I think gives him a tremendous upside as a high level football player. I would have Drake Bowen number four, actually. And this, this one is one of those other ones that's kind of coupled together. You know, I would have, I would have Drake Bowen and I would would have Jaden Osbury back to back four and five here. Cause again, I think it's just, what is your flavor on this, right? Mm -hmm. Like, what is your flavor? Like, is your mic more important in your defense? Is your will more important in your defense? That's kind of why I wanted to have that conversation earlier is that I think that could Jaden Osbury be more of a playmaker at the next level than Drake Bowen? Yes, it's possible. But when you also have the context of, but playmaker playmaker at Mike is going to look different as a playmaker, as a Will linebacker, Drake Bowen, I think, is that modern-day Mike linebacker where at 6'2", 230 pounds of good weights, you're going to look at him and be like, that kid can run, that kid can rush the passer, he can be an interior blitzer, he can come up on the line of scrimmage at times if you need him to. Like, he's that Swiss Army knife on a defense, similar to what Jay Osbury could be, but a little bit different, right? Like, I'm not using Osbury as much as a blitzer as I'm as I'm using Jay Osbury. I'm using him more as a passing game weapon. You can match up against running backs out of the backfield, maybe against some tight ends at time, you know, big slots, do all that type of stuff. Like, he can be that overhang defender, but also being able to fit inside to be a will. So I think I would have Drake Bowen at number four and Jay Osbury number five. But again, that's one of those other ones where it's just so tightly compact together because they're both playmakers, but they're just playmakers in different ways. Where do you have Brandon Hillman? I I, I would have him at, at probably at the lower end of the five star because I agree with you in the sense that there is a lot of five stars at, from an upside grade perspective. 
I just haven't seen enough of him at sure. safety. You know, it, and I know you watched the All Star game that he was in. I didn't get to see the Polynesian. That didn't factor that into it a ton, mm-hmm. but yeah, yeah. I so I, I just, I just need to see more. To be honest, like I mean, I know he's a great athlete. I can see those things, but, but most of the defensive highlights I've seen is it's really exciting. It's him coming up and it's him sticking dudes. That's awesome. But what can he do working from depth as a true right. safety, right? Like, because right. if I knew that he was playing Rover from day one, my my opinion might change a little bit. Because like I've seen the Rover traits, I've seen those one hundred percent. But what does he look like working from depth? That's a little. So it's bit more different. of what you haven't seen as opposed to something yes. you don't like as much as other guys. One hundred percent. Makes sense. Makes yep. sense. Where do you have a Don Schuler? Because he he's, he was literally one of the hardest kids to a grade to grade for me. Because you watch his film and I'm like, this kid can flat out ball. And this is the fun thing about doing something like this when you put a grade to something. If I was to grade my top 12 based on my gut feeling of who I like and don't like, it would have looked a lot different than than what it was. And Adon's one of those guys. Adon Schuler to me, just strikes me as a, this guy can flat out ball. Love the kid. But then he ends up being ranked lower in the class. I also want to make sure people understand, if you earn a top 200 to 250 grade for me, you are a starting caliber player to place like Notre Dame. Yeah. And and the example I use is some, somebody had made the point that they felt like, you know, Minich and, and, and Schuler based on my grade, were depth guys. And they're not. They're If you're in the top 200 to 250, you're a starting caliber. If you're a depth guy and you're the number 200 player, you're freaking loaded at that position, right? For example... I wouldn't have a Don Schuler or Ben Minich ranked as, as high as I had Malachi Starks coming out of high school, right? And Malachi would have ranked higher than both of them, but they both would have ranked higher than Christopher Smith, who was the other starting safety coming out of high school. Uh, so for George, I should say where he was coming out of high school. So I just want to make sure that we're clear that if you're a top 200, 250 guy, you, you, you got pretty good safeties. Now I don't want only top 200 guys across the board, but if that's if, if 200 to 250 are your number two and number three safeties, you had a pretty darn good safety class. The concern at safety is now you got to start stringing that together. But if you can give me this safety class every year for the next five years, Notre Dame's going to be loaded at safety, in my yeah. opinion. Yeah. That's that's my view. So just want to make well, sure we're clear on that. But I mean, I think we have similar. I think we have a similar viewpoint on Don. I mean. And I think seeing him down in San Antonio kind of confirmed those things for me for, as far as my opinion on him. He's just good at everything, man. Like, there's not many holes in him. Like, he's, he's going to be a good player at Notre Dame. I have I have almost no doubt. I mean, there's obviously always things that can happen. You know, there could be a lack of development or there could be an injury or yada, yada, yada. Like, those things could always happen. But I would be very surprised if Adon Schuler, barring any injury setbacks, isn't a good football player at Notre Dame. And that may, that means a guy that can contribute on special teams. It means a guy that can, that can give you production as far as being a rotational player. And a guy that I think could start at Notre Dame as well at some point during his career. Like I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, I know he's injured right now, so he's going to miss the spring, but I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be surprised if Adon Schuler in, you know, if he was healthy was a guy that was, giving you some reps as a freshman because he's just a guy that you know yeah. is dependable and he, he's a good football player, man. Is he going to be a first-round NFL draft pick? I don't think so. But he's going to be a guy that down the road you're going to be like, man, you remember Don Schuler played no- safety at Notre Dame a few years ago? That dude was a good player, man. Like it, We undervalued him maybe at times, but he ended up like 200 tackles in his career, six interceptions, like just a good football player. Yeah. Like That's just all it comes down to for me. 
I'm going to make a statement. I'm going to make a hot take that I, that I am curious to get your take on. And we're going to end this part of the show on this. I hope that a Don Schuler and Ben Minich redshirt this year. I normally don't like redshirting skill guys, but theirs is a unique situation because they are more five, like five year guys because they, they don't necessarily have those elite traits where I think of, of the type of player those two guys would be as fifth year guys compared to seniors could be really, really the, they could end up being really good players at that point in time. So they're actually two skill players. And I rarely say this about skill players there too. And, and the guy that I would say that about on offense is Rico. I, I, I actually want Rico to redshirt. Cause I think he's one of the few five-year receivers where by his senior year, you know, he's stronger. He's, you know, he can end up being a difference maker. So I don't often say that, but I, I, I would like to see both of those guys take a red shirt because they're, they're the few skill players that I think could be five-year guys at, at a place like Notre Dame. In my I, I think that would be a really good sign on the other side of it, not even for the sake of Adon and for Ben Minich, but also for the sake of that probably tells you that you stayed healthy at safety. And that tells you that you probably got pretty good production at safety. You know, like I think that if Adon and Ben Minich are pressed early on into playing a significant role or giving you a decent amount of reps, it means probably something didn't go right. You know, right. like right now you're depending on Xavier Watts needs to step up. Ramon Henderson needs to find his role. You know, maybe a Clarence Lewis moves to safety and gives DJ you some Brown's reps still there. there. Right. DJ Brown. And, Thomas Harper. Yeah. Right. And if, if one of those guys is needed and pressed, it's not so much a, it's not so much saying that, you know, it's, uh, it's not definitely not a bad thing because I think both of those guys will be prepared to give you reps in whatever capacity they can. It's just more of with this safety room where it is with the question marks that you have just based upon what the high upside is. If they are pressing the duty, that probably means that maybe someone didn't develop properly. Maybe somebody got injured. Like it's probably a bad sign if either one of those guys are pressed too early, in my opinion. Yep, absolutely. So Ryan, we're going to wrap this up. We talked about the, we talked about the, class rankings we want to rack up rack, kind of get into you guys broke down a lot of the linebackers on monday and it was very, very well done and we've seen several offers go out to linebackers since then i have to say this is the oddest recruiting strategy they're going to set a record for like linebackers offered in this class it is really bizarre i have to just comment on this we were never planning on talking about this one super long I don't understand their strategy at linebacker recruiting right now. It's like Al Golden's just – because you're seeing all these kids mention Al Golden as being the guy that's offering them. It's like he's spending all his time on offering kids. And, and it's like, what, is your hope that, like, eventually you're going to find one that, like, just loves Notre Dame and you can is just going to pick you? You know what I mean? Like, if he would spend as much time, like, actually focusing on the top guys as he is just expanding the board bigger than – like – is that what you view as like putting in work on the recruiting trail, just offering a million kids? It is a strange, strange linebacker recruiting cycle. And I get why they need to expand the board. Things aren't looking as great with Peyton Pierce right now. You lost to Darius Hayes. I get it. But at some point in time, you actually got to start zeroing in on the guys you really want. And I just really don't know if I understand the strategy right now. Or I shouldn't say understand it. I don't know what it is right now. They, they have – they have 25 guys offered at linebacker in 2023. And I know there's, there's three positions, right? I mean, you have a Mike, you have a will, you have a Rover, but still, man, (laughs) everywhere, Ryan and offers, right. And and then nine at one, you know what I mean? Like I I don't get it, man. It's just like, but here's the question. Who do they like? 
Yeah, that's a big question. Because they keep offering, like, there's, def- there's definitely been a couple where I'm just like, eh, is that really a guy I need to offer right now? But then there's there has been a few guys. Right. I mean, like Cameron Pruitt from Alabama's guy where I'm like, yes, offer that kid all day. Brayden Platt from Washington was another guy where I was like, I like that one. Like, he's a talented right. player. But then there's some other ones where you're just like, why, why is the energy going there? Why don't you recruit Brayden Platt? Why don't you recruit Cameron Pruitt? Why aren't you recruiting – you know, why aren't you putting more effort into Peyton Pierce? Like th- that's kind of where my question is, is like, are you wasting too much effort off of identifying and finding talent? It's like, that's great. That, that, that's something that needs to happen, right? Like you need to be able to identify and evaluate and find talent. That's awesome. And they've done that in a lot of instances, but offering a player is not going to land that player at the end of the day. Like the, that's where the effort comes into. So we have so many questions because I mean, at the end of the day, you have landed seven players in the last two years and had two of the more impressive linebacker groups in back-to-back years in 2022 and 2023 quickly. That has gone from one of the premier linebacker recruiting teams in the country last two years to a complete wild card. I have no idea what's going to happen at linebacker in 2024. Again, a lot of talents. I like it, man. And we talked about that this is the class where at linebacker in 2024, you have the opportunity to gamble on some traitsy kids, right? Some guys that maybe have high upsides and maybe lower floors. That's awesome. But who are those guys? You know, like, I, I, I don't know. I can't answer that one to you. I mean, we know they like Kingston from St. John Bosco. We know they like Peyton Pierce. But otherwise, it's just like. And I, and I think they like Cole Sullivan a lot. Yeah. But then I think of like that group together and I'm like, I don't know how that, how well that th- trio would fit together. This so two, it, it, two it's mics and a will. And yeah, it's yeah, interesting. Yeah. It's very interesting. Get Cameron so, Pruitt to Notre Dame though. No matter, no matter what. Yeah. That's all I got to say. Yeah, well, well, I know they like Tylan Singleton a lot, you know, he's a rover. He's a rover, but uh rover will type of guy. But um, you know, is are they going to be able to get a kid like that to Notre Dame? We'll find out. I know he likes Notre Dame. You, you know, you said he likes Notre Dame, but liking Notre Dame and then coming to Notre Dame are two completely different animals. So, and I do love the fact that they're dipping back into Louisiana for another athletic linebacker. I'm always a, always a fan of that action. There's no doubt about that. So uh, that's kind of linebacker recruiting. It's going to be interesting to follow how that goes, right? Because I, I think I think they faded more than you think they faded with Peyton Pierce, I think. But we may be on the same page on that one, Ryan. But, and the main reason why is the guy that recruited him is gone. Yeah. And I don't think it's a coincidence that Ohio State offered him like two days before James Laronitis took the job at Ohio State. I don't think that's a coincidence. So uh, we'll, we'll see how it pans out. But linebacker recruiting is probably the position I have. I'll be honest, linebacker recruiting and D-line recruiting are two huge concerns for me right now. Not just because I don't have a lot of faith in their coaches, but I don't even know who they like right now on the D-line outside of Justin Scott. Like, okay, how hard are they pushing for certain guys? But are they really pushing yeah. hard for those guys? I don't really know. Are they, you know, Bryce – I know they like Bryce Young, but but are they – are are they're not able to get him in the class just yet. Like there's just a lot of question marks when it comes to deep front seven recruiting that makes me a little concerned. And that's just not where you can be. Right. That's just not where you should be right now. So we'll see. We'll see if they can get that turned around and get it rolling. So Ryan, that's going to do it for this portion of the show. It went very long. We'll have to, I think the, the um, rankings of the top 12 took a little longer than I thought. So we'll start to, no, zero in on this. It's always going to be a little bit longer of a show in that part, but I, I think we'll, we'll probably narrow it down and just a little bit next time. I think what we should have done is gone. 
the top 12 on offense this week and then the top 12 on defense next week. So you can spend a little bit maybe more time on it. So that's going to do it for this show, folks. But before we leave, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button, hit the notification bell, share this podcast. If you haven't already done so, I'm putting the link in the chat again right now where you can go and you can donate to the GoFundMe for Jaden Mickey's mother who is battling stage four colon cancer. So uh, the family has asked publicly to uh, for support. And and we've we we know that this is a valid cause, a righteous cause, and so we are we are did our part. I, I know that I uh, provided, I kind of gave a, a donation on behalf of Irish Breakdown, the employees at Irish Breakdown. So uh, hope that you all, if you're able, are able to take the time and do that today. So uh, we are definitely going to help up. She has to. My understanding, Ryan, is the reason that the number is so big is that it's a it, it's it's she it's metastasized. Uh, all the treatments where she lives that her insurance will cover uh, have been exhausted. There's, I believe, I think it's, I believe it's Arizona. There's a special kind of clinic that, so the family has to relocate to Arizona to be able for her to further fight this. And, and um, so we definitely want to step up and help out and do whatever we can. So I want to, um, uh, I want to, I want to take that in there as well. And then I uh, make sure that we, as if you're again, y'all, I understand everybody's in a different circumstance in life. Some of you would love to donate, but you can't because your own circumstances. I get it. Then what I'll ask you to do is get on your knees tonight and and pray for Mrs. Mickey and the family, and that people that can give will step up and give. That's that's my that's my prayer. That's my wish. Uh, I will also be praying for the Mickey family and everyone that believes in the power of prayers. I do. I think that even more than giving your money. So I'm going to give my money, but the most important thing I can give is also uh, prayer. And we'll continue to do that as well. So I want to thank all of you for that. And I like, there's something that uh, Katie Kiever said too, Ryan, a hot take segment in one of our shows would be good. That might be something that'd be perfect for this, for this Wednesday show. I think it'd be a really, what's, what's our hot take of the week. That'd be really fun to do. I think that'd be a lot of fun. So anyway, that's going to do it. We're going to have a mailbag next, so don't go away yet. But like, subscribe, notification bell, share the podcast, give us a five-star review, and of course, sign up for the boards at boards.irishbreakdown.com. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. 
That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.